Welcome, everybody, to a new episode of Earning Their Stripes, our Marlins prospect show here on the Fish Stripes podcast. I am Eli Sussman, managing editor at Fish Stripes, just to set up the final episode of the minor league baseball season. It flies by so fast, but we're hoping to end it on a very high note with an exclusive interview. It's Marlins right-hander Nick Nider, the reigning Marlins minor league pitcher of the year, 22-year-old right-hander with impeccable commands, someone who entered this year envisioning probably pitching in the majors this season, didn't quite go according to plan, mainly because of a midseason knee injury. But he has come back from it looking exactly as good as advertised, posting a 2.54 ERA in the AAA New Orleans rotation in August. He arrived to the Marlins in the D. Gordon trade, along with Christopher Torres and Robert Duggar, a trade looking great for the Marlins as time goes on. And health permitting, we hope to see him in the Arizona Fall League, and then very early in 2020 at the Major League level. Very bright future for Nick Neidert. A very impressive man off the field as well. This interview conducted by our own Danny Martinez. Him and Nick touch on a lot of different topics that we hope you'll find very entertaining and interesting. And remember, if you enjoy, just subscribe to the Fish Drivers Podcast. Check back every week for new episodes. ETS will continue even as the regular season winds down. Now joining the show is the Marlins 2018 Minor League Pitcher of the Year, one of the top pitching prospects in the system, and if you ask me for my opinion, one of the top pitching prospects in all of baseball, someone who I personally believe will be at Marlins Park sooner rather than later, and one of the nicest guys that I've ever met in a Marlins uniform, Nick Nider. Nick, thank you for coming on, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It's it's always an honor when you guys come on. Like I told you right before we started, whether it's Monte or Isan, whoever the case is, it's exciting for the fans to get to know the future stars of Miami. And I really have little doubt that you're going to be a big piece of this future. I know you're incredibly humble and you know, you'll be modest about it, but I, I'm excited for the fans to get to know you a little bit. Uh, now, I'm going to start with a college football question. All right. It's college right. football season, and both of my co-hosts, this is a dangerous question, both of my co-hosts are Florida Gators, okay? So I'm almost fearful oh. to ask this, yeah. But but Nick, you being born in Georgia, A, do you follow college football? And if so, who do you support? I absolutely follow college football, <laughs> and I'm a diehard Georgia Bulldog fan. So oh. me, me and the Gator fans don't really get along that well. Playing in Jacksonville last year was, was definitely interesting. You see a lot of a lot of Gator fans around there, but diehard Bulldog fan. And every single year, you know, just like every college football guy says, we're gonna we're gonna win the whole thing, and I think we're gonna do it this year. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You guys have a good team, man. You guys have a good right. team, and at the end of the day, you guys have a good program. Now, I am UM, right? So I have been humbled with this defeat against the Gators. You can imagine <laughs> how this is going with my two co-hosts being from UF. The group chat was not lovely in my favor. But um, right. at, at least you get to have this interview with the Hurricane and not with, you know, Mr. Gators over here. Exactly, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, before we go to baseball, the sport you actually play, let me ask you a little bit more about being raised and everything in Georgia and being a dogs fan. Uh, I believe that you actually were committed to the University of South Carolina, and you correct me if I'm wrong with that. Um, but was there any any opportunity in high school or just even as a childhood that you felt you would be able to go to Georgia and play there? 
Yeah, I, I was uh, committed to the University of South Carolina. Um, I, I actually was kind of torn between a couple couple decisions. I there were places I wanted to go play at, um, but at the time, South Carolina offered me, and and they were one of the top teams in the whole entire country. Mm-hmm. Georgia was going through a head coach and like front office kind of change with with everything, so I wasn't sure how that was going to play out. Um, but South Carolina was awesome. I mean. The facility there, the coaches, the guys that were coming in, I saw. I was like, I was like, I gotta, I gotta go here. We got a real big chance to win a, a national championship. Um, and that school is incredible. I still love the University of South Carolina, but obviously, when my when my Georgia Bulldogs play against them, I gotta go with the dogs ten times out of ten. You go with the childhood, man. Of course, you trust me, there, I, yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. So, so a big college football fan, a big dogs fan. I could appreciate that. Uh, let, let's talk about the sport that you are actually excellent at. Uh, in 2008, you're right. It's your first year with the fish, and the organization honors the fact that you were just excellent and then you performed to the standing of the minor league pitcher of the year for the for the organization. I wonder what you felt at that first moment, I don't know if it was a call, if it was a coach that told you at that first moment of hearing that you were selected as the minor league pitcher of the year. I was actually in a shoe store with one of my buddies. We were just kind of walking around the mall, killing time. And I got a phone call from someone in the front office. They're like, Hey, Nick, what are, what are you doing uh, next week? I was like, um, I'm just kind of enjoying my off season right now. And he's like, like, well, we just made you minor league pitcher of the year. So, I mean, I was I was in the middle of the store. My my jaw dropped. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is incredible!" And obviously, it's it's an incredible honor. It's it's something that you know you take with you for the rest of your career and the rest of your life. That you were an organization pitcher of the year, and it was absolutely incredible. We had a great time down in Miami. Um, the Marlins treated us fantastically when we were down there, um, and it it's just exciting. You get traded over to some place and. You end up being their minor league pitcher of the year the very first year that you're there it it just shows that how much they really like you and, and how much they appreciate what you what you did and the time and effort you put forth that season yeah and i mean there's no doubt that you deserved it i mean whatever that mindset must have been when you came over you you went straight to it man you performed and you did you had one of the better years that a minor league pitcher in the modern system has had in a decade <laughs> it's a guy named jose fernandez really i mean so it's <laughs> it's it's an honor of course and and it's great that they felt that way of you but you absolutely deserved them feeling that way of you uh as you mentioned you you know you came over to your organization you're part of that d gordon trade and a lot of people forget that trade happened before even the other major trades occurred making you one of the first major pieces in the rebuild you know no pressure nick but really one of the first major pieces what kind of excitement did you have coming over and how does it feel to be such a big part of what miami sees as a future competitive team it was honestly incredible um coming over from the mariners you know they were they were incredible over there loved those guys but they told me i was going to an organization that was in a rebuild and the fact that you know, an organization wanted me to be a part of that rebuild and they've been nothing but fantastic towards me, uplifting, encouraging through absolutely everything to be one of, in one of their first trades. I mean, I knew the guys that they were getting alongside me. I mean, Robert Duggar, Chris Torres, I mean, two incredible players. Duggar's already pitched in the big leagues this year. I mean, it's, it's incredible to be a part of that and to be a part of an organization that really wants you to be up there 
in the big leagues. And I mean, I look around now at all of our, all the guys that they're just building up, getting ready for the big leagues. And I truly believe that in a year and two years and three years, whenever they put this thing completely together, that we're going to competing against the top teams all across baseball. And it's, it's so much fun just to, to be here and to be a part of everything. Yeah. What's exciting is that, you know, you aren't actually the first player to come on here and say that that same sentiment of as a player, I can see what they're building and it's not even, you know, I'm drinking Kool-Aid. It's not that I have a company line. No, I really believe it. I could see what's happening. Monte said that. Isan said that. A few of the other guys reiterated that same exact sentiment. And it's funny because you led me right into the follow-up question, uh, question, which is that you are in a very particular spot. I don't know if you ever sat back and thought about this, but you have really gotten to see from the beginning of this rebuild the farm system grow. You know, when they first made that trade, uh, the farm system was still back half of any kind of external scouting uh, site ranking that you could find. And now we sit here and it's top five in all of baseball, whether you're looking at fan graphs, I believe it's seventh in Baseball America. And, and, you know, that's all really more for the fans. I'm sure that you guys don't think, oh, yay, great, we're a top five farm system. But you can see the talent around you. What does that do for you personally to be a part of so much talent, especially on the mound? It's incredible, honestly. Like, you, I mean, I came over last year not knowing anybody, and everybody's talking. Oh, you know, like it, they're a couple years out from ever doing anything, and then you look at it, the organization this year, and I mean, guys are ev- guys everywhere. I mean, even players that you know most fans don't even hear about. I mean, every single person in this organization is incredible, and they see the opportunity that's in Miami and Derek Jeter. Gave, gave a speech the past two years in spring training that the best players are going to be down in Miami. And, I mean, you you already see some of the players that are coming up, how good everybody is. I mean, from top to bottom in this organization, there's incredible guys. There's incredible people who want to win. And that's I think that's the biggest thing is there's guys who want to win, who want to get to the big leagues and compete and grind it out every single day. And it, it's going to be special. When everything gets put together from top to bottom, it's going to be special. Yeah, Michael always says that there's layers of talent, and I think that is the truest when we're talking about the pitching, the pitching in this in this organization from rookie ball all the way to the major leagues. I mean, the major league system right now or the major league rotation is 13th in starting ERA, you know, and, and ERA isn't everything, of course. But when you're talking about the major league system already being there, and then we're, we're, we're throwing out names like a Nick Nider, like an Edward Cabrera, like a Sixto Sanchez, on and on and on. It's crazy the amount of depth and talent that the pitching staff has. And I'm excited that you are absolutely a big part of that. Uh, you, you mentioned Jeter and, you know, it's a Jeter and Denbo project, I guess, that they have. But Captain's Camp is something that they brought over and is something that prior to this season, you were designated as a member of. Uh, what can you tell the fans and us about that experience and what for you in particular as a player uh, benefits from it? it? It's always incredible to be invited to it um especially back-to-back years it's been special to kind of see the first year how it played out and then even this year um being able to go there and and already been, been a part of it a year before and to kind of help the guys that are going there the first year but i mean every single day they're they're looking specifically at each and every individual saying how can we get this guy better what what is going to help you you know peak your performance throughout the whole entire season 
and they do a great job of of really focusing in. And so when we go into spring training, when we go into the season, we already know what the expectations are for the season. We already can push the guys next to us being like, hey, hey, man, like that's that's not what this organization is about. We need to we need to be better than that. And just to push everybody around us and to be leaders throughout the clubhouse and to create other leaders to lead. And it's just really special when, when Gary Denbo and Derek Jeter hand-select people and you're one of them, it's a special feeling. I mean, those guys came from the New York Yankees, and, I mean, they, they know baseball through and through, and they know what it takes to win, and you can see that starting to develop everywhere you go in the Marlins organization. Because, you know, a lot of times in a lot of franchises, I guess even fans, throw the buzzword you know, it's a culture change, right? That in South Florida, mm-hmm. you know, again, you're from Georgia, but in South Florida, when when the Heat really started, the Miami Heat really started winning, right? That's what they really pointed at. Now, I'm going to point to the fact that they had elite talent, you know, and a Dwayne Wade and a LeBron yeah. James and whatever the case is. Uh, but but the aura was, well, there's a culture change here. It, it sounds, again, not just from you, from other players that have been on and from other players that have spoken on other outlets as well, that that was one of the primary goals of this ownership group and the change in the captain's camp, a, a culture change and really a, a maker of leaders, a maker of men. Is that something that you say is valid? You say that that's, that's true or, or is there something else that maybe we're missing from an external standpoint? No, absolutely. It's, it's 100% about a culture change, not just for us, but for the fans, for the people coming to the games. They don't, they don't want it just to be a culture change in the clubhouse. They want it to be a culture change in Miami. And the very first thing we did last year during captain's camp is Gary Denver was standing up there on, on the whiteboard with a marker saying, all right, guys, I want you guys to put together what makes a leader. And we probably jotted off probably 30 descriptions of a leader, and it's hanging in the clubhouse to this day on what a leader looks like and like what this culture change looks like and who we want the Miami Marlins to be. They didn't, the front office didn't put it together, us players that were at the captains can't put it together on what is going to make us a winning organization and so not only is the front office pushing for stuff but you also have players that are pushing for the same exact goal for the same exact thing and it's it's great because the front office truly does listen to us players and incorporates that into everything that's awesome. Yeah, like the clinical psychology of me just wants to come out and say that the fact that they had you guys write it was beautiful because it's accountability too. And it's your words. It's something you could buy into rather than it just being a top-down approach, you know, where they're saying right. this is what you need to do. No, it is a level-to-level approach of what is it that you expect from yourself and then we're going to do everything that we can to make sure you achieve what your own expectations are. That's awesome. I actually did not know that. So yeah. that was that was fantastic. Uh, just Just like a sidebar question. Do you as a as a prospect, or, or you can answer almost for yourself or for anyone else really, do you think that the guys really pay attention to rankings, like top 100 rankings, like prospect rankings? Uh, I say that because you were a top 100 prospect last year for Baseball America. Do, do you guys pay attention to that? Is that something that uh, you are very mindful of or just kind of mindful of and happy that you got the accolade? Um, I would say maybe some guys do. Um, I know for myself, I don't. I don't really look at the rankings. Um, to me, I'm just I'm just out there having fun, playing baseball. Um, just every five, six, seven days, whenever I get the opportunity to go on the field, just to do the best that I can to help our team win, to do the best that I can. Um, and then wherever those chips fall, they fall. Um, but I know for me, 
my goal is not to be on the top 100 list or to be number one. Um, my, my goal is to get to the big leagues and help the big leagues team win in whatever way I can do that. And if it lands me a spot on the top 100 list, it does. If it, wherever it lands me, um, it, it's cool to get the accolade, but it, it, it's not the end goal. If you, my, my goal is to get to the big leagues and help the big league team win. And that's, that's honestly what I, what I focus on. Yeah, well, something tells me that whether it's because of that mindset or just maybe your upbringing, we could talk about that later. I think that you're going to succeed at, at reaching that goal. Um, you know, you, you had a really good year last year, obviously, as well documented. And then obviously this year, uh, we go through a little bit of a, of a setback, just a physical injury. And we're not going to even really talk too much time about that. You, you've overcome that and you've passed that. But with that injury, spent a lot of time rehabbing with the younger guys in the system. Uh, what was it like? being around the young guys and do you think there's anything that you learn from them as much as I'm sure they learn from you yeah honestly this was a that was the very first time in my career where I felt like an old guy in the organization <laughs> I, was like, I was like man I'm 22 and I actually feel old around everybody here <laughs> but it was it was great um every, every just about everybody kind of asked questions about you know, moving up in the system about pro ball, about this, about that, just kind of picking my brain about stuff. And I wanted to help out everybody as much as I possibly could, you know, you know, helping them act more like a professional, kind of grow in their steps. And it was cool being down there. I got to meet um, Casey Meisner, um, JJ Blade, Nassim Nunez. Um, Nassim hmm. actually went to high school, my rival high school, um, and I met him this off season when I That's was helping coach. Yeah, so it was, it was cool seeing him when he got picked. I was like, I was like, you gotta be kidding me! I was like, like they're going after these Georgia guys in Banfield last year, but it was, it was awesome. It's a pipeline. Um, just yeah, just just helping helping those guys. Um, at the same time, it's being in rehab. It's also very humbling to realize that I mean, you're not guaranteed to play every single day. You're very fortunate when you're in the season, when you're healthy, when you're able to get on the field every single day when you're able to throw baseball. Um, I know it was pretty tough on me not being able to play, watching watching the baby cakes, watching all the minor league guys play, watching the big leagues guy play. And I was I was uh, in rehab every single morning. It was tough, but it definitely teaches you to appreciate when you get to play a lot more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could imagine. You know, this was, um, and I'm, I'm not sure, again, if you place individual expectations upon yourself. But listen, with the kind of player that you were, even at that age, I, I really felt this would have been a year that you could have definitely stepped into Marlins Park, right? And this is, that's an unfortunate reality of the game. Sometimes there's a setback, sometimes there's an injury. Uh, there's no doubt really in my mind moving forward that I think that you would be able to set foot in Marlins Park even by the beginning of next year and, and really start to continue having this culture change is there anyone at the big league level right now that you've been able to either in the off season or at spring and jupiter whatever the case is uh feel connected to or built a relationship with so last year it was it was dan straley he was awesome he kind of took me under his wing um and then dan last year took brett graves underneath his wing mm. and and helped him out and then i've had the privilege to actually play with brett a lot this year so he's shed a lot of light on a lot of things and really helped me um 
kind of just progressed as a baseball player. I mean, he played in the big leagues last year, and that was great. And, I mean, you have such a young, welcoming team um, mm-hmm. when you go to spring training. I mean, we had Brian Holiday for the beginning half of this year, and he was incredible. He was awesome. I mean, one of the best catchers I've ever thrown to. The amount of baseball knowledge that he has is, I mean, through the roof. So I tried to tried to listen whenever he would speak. I mean, I would I would kind of stop talking and, and um, just listening to what he was saying. But, I mean, you take things from different guys. I mean, you see the way Jose Urania goes about things. I mean, he goes all out every single day. I mean, that's fun mm-hmm. to look at. I mean, you look at, I mean, honestly, anyone on that big league team and, and they're just regular guys trying to help everybody and trying to get the Marlins to a place where we're winning ball club. Awesome. Awesome. You have been great. You're all, you're, you're just fantastic. I only have a few more. Okay. From listeners. And I promise you, you get to enjoy the rest okay. of your day. Um, uh, Zach is a fantastic fan. Uh, Zach Rab. He, he has this question. Has there been any one or two guys in the organization, right? That you've learned from something baseball wise, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a pitcher, but something on the field that you've learned from since coming over in this trade. And I guess Brian Holiday really could be a good point there as well. But anything that you yeah. picked up on from another player uh, that's just been a, a good hint or a good tip for your development moving forward? Oh, man. Um, I would say Dan Straley last year. He, okay. I mean, it was my first time in, in big league camp, and he, he took me under his wing, taught me a lot of stuff honestly taught me how to scout players um, like scouting hitters and stuff like that and kind of creating a game plan. And he, he helped me through a lot, even because he came to rehab in, in Jacksonville last year. He took me out to eat a couple of times and just to pick his brain about, about the big leagues. And he kind of gave me advice on moving forward and stuff like that. And he was awesome. He was, I mean, I still keep in contact with him a little bit as much as I can, but he was, he was awesome to me last year. He was a, he's a good friend and, and I really appreciate everything that he's done for me. Yeah, it seems like Dan is a consistent answer, too. When we've spoken to other guys this year, it seems like he's really someone who really was comfortable with being a leader, with being a friend, yeah. right? with just helping the younger guy coming up. So that definitely validates the fact of what we already thought of, of Dan Straley. Uh, the second one is from Reed, also a listener. He says, were there any ways you tried to keep developing, uh, maybe in a mental or a strategy or game planning type of way, while you were out uh, prior to being able to physically rehab? While you were out with this injury, was there anything you did differently so that you could continue developing moving forward? Absolutely. Um, I mean, every single day we would get done probably around 11, 12 o'clock. Um, and then you'd go out and you'd, you'd watch some of the uh, GCL extended games. And um, mentally for me, it made me even more passionate about the game of baseball. Like knowing that I was, you know, hobbling outside to watch these games and that I, cu- I couldn't get out there and play. I mean, it's definitely tough, but it definitely made me more passionate about when I do get back out to play. Like I want to let everything out that I have every single day, no matter what it's in. Um, I would say that from like a mental aspect, it made me truly appreciate being back and playing the game every single day and enjoying it. Um, from a physical aspect, I looked at stuff I could do to get better, whether it was um, um, like shoulder care, whether it was in the weight room um, to all the way to, to pitching. Like, okay, like what, what were my pitches looking at? like at the beginning of the season okay what did i change this off season what 
like mechanically, just kind of breaking down my mechanics like what wasn't working very efficiently. And so when I came back, I could automatically just start working on those things, almost like building up an off season, coming back into spring training. Okay. What can I build on? What can I work on to, so I, when I get back, I can just jump right in and, and be the best that I can possibly be. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's incredible how we can still develop, how we could still learn even when something seems like a setback. Uh, you know, in my field, the people that listen to me know I'm in clinical psychology. Burnout is something that happens. Self-care is something that's important. Uh, is there something in your life uh, so that the listeners can really get to know you a little bit more that that you uh, that you stick to or that you go to as your self-care, something that uplifts you, something that motivates you, uh, you know, anything, whether it's family, whether it's a show, whether it's faith, whatever the case may be, something that Nick goes to uh, for uplifting and for self-care? I would just say my faith. I mean, my relationship with with God is, is the number one thing in my life. And, you know, I came to Christ about a year and a half, two years ago, and it's been an incredible journey. It made me realize that baseball truly isn't everything in life, that there's going to be a day where I don't play the game of baseball anymore. Mm-hmm. And I want, I don't want that to be the kind of the end of, of my life that is like, okay, I already, I already did what I wanted to do. Um, so I don't know what I'm going to do now. Um, but I just, I started focusing my life on Jesus. And even through this whole entire rehab process, even through the injury, I knew that, that God had something bigger for me than, um, maybe making it to the big league this year, whether it was even coming back and playing this year. I didn't, I didn't know what was to come from the injury, but that, that's something that I cling to. And even when I was in rehab, I think I, became even stronger in my faith, just trusting. And because I, I you know, I always had my plan that I, what I thought this season was going to look like. And so far it hasn't happened anything like right. I thought it would. Um, but I just, I trust my whole entire life in God's hands and know that wherever he takes me, it's where he needs me to be. And I just trust in that. Yeah. That you're going to have an amazing testimony one day. There's no doubt about that. Um, all right, Nick, I have one last question for you. This is the Ethan Badowski. Again, he's a Gator, so, you know, forgive him. But this is the Ethan Badowski <laughs> special. All right, he asks every single player that's come on, the six, seven, eight players that we've had, this is the last question, okay? We know at the end of the day that you guys are very honored and that you guys are, you know, blessed and happy to be in the minor leagues and, and professional ball players. So we're not trying to minimize the minor league experience at all. But everyone has a story where they're like, in a really bad hotel on a, on a trip or, or a bus trip that was really awful or some kind of minor league experience where they sat back and they're like, okay, I need to make it to the majors because I'm not doing this anymore. Was there anything like that that you experienced um, that, that just showed you, okay, this is the minor league experience that people talk about and I look forward to the day where I could be at the major league level not dealing with this anymore? Yes, definitely. I mean, I have countless stories, but I would. <laughs> so last year uh, in Jacksonville, we probably had one of the, I want to say one of the worst travel schedules. I mean, we'd play a game at seven o'clock at night and then have to travel eight hours to our next destination. And so we were traveling on the bus and there's people sleeping in the, um, up and down the aisles. And, and you just, you just mm. look and you're like, you're like, man, this is something else. And so one time I got up to go to the bathroom and you come out, like there's people laying across the seats. Like sometimes people are like laying right next to each other on the ground. 
I was like, this is this is as minor league as it gets right yep. here. It's three in the morning and people are lying on the ground of the bus, stretched out across the seats, <laughs> like you're having to jungle gym climb over people. I was like, This is this is minor leagues right here. This is it. That's the minor league experience. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. I'm just happy that you weren't like the fourth consecutive guy in a row to say Clinton because now that the Marlins have a <laughs> now that the Marlins have a Clinton in their system. Every like yeah. everyone, everyone's like, yeah, man. This one year I was in Clinton, and it's just like, oh, oh yeah. I don't know if we could air that. <laughs> but uh, yeah. but yeah, all right, you did you did good. You did not you did not disappoint us with that one. I love it. Yeah, the jungle gym yeah. bus for after you just use the restroom is a pretty good one. All right, brother. Well, oh, yeah. you know what? I appreciate you. I will let you get back to enjoy the rest of your day. Seriously, you are awesome. Um, and and thank you for coming on. Okay, I really can't wait to see you at Marlins Park one day and you fulfilling that testimony. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I, I truly appreciate it.